Yate bene are actually Yate, my relatives. It's just afternoon here in Washington, D.C., and I'm sitting down with my second cup of coffee, and I wanted to have a conversation with you about white evangelicals and their undying support for unwavering support for Donald J. Trump. But uh, before I began, I want to do as I always do, which is acknowledge I'm speaking to you from what's now called Washington, D.C. And these are the traditional lands of the Piscataway. And I want to honor the Piscataway as the host of the lands where I'm living. I want to thank the Piscataway for their stewardship of these lands. And I want to just state how humbled I am to be living on these lands today. So if you, well, first of all, for those of you who have been following my social media, you'll know that earlier this uh, week, we announced and uh, promoted that I was going to be speaking to Reverend Delante Goulston, who is a good friend of mine, the pastor of the church that uh, we attend, and uh, is born in D.C., has lived here most of his life, uh, moved back here um, after being in, in L.A. for a while at Fuller Seminary, and is working hard, not only in pastoring the church, but in addressing gun violence uh, throughout the city, our district, as well as throughout the country. And he and I were, were scheduled to have a second cup of coffee this morning and to sit down and have some conversation about him and his work and his ministry. But um, if you have been following the news, you'll know that um, there has been a lot of gun violence even recently. I'm going to share an article with you that was in the Washington Post. Um, and even just this weekend, over the Mother's Day weekend, there were two, um, two shootings in D.C. that affected young people. And so I want to, I want to put that article in here and uh, share that with you. And so, um, so yeah, because of uh, some ministry commitments that came up very quickly for uh, Reverend Delante, uh, he was not able to make it uh, to join me for the second cup of coffee. But um, we are going to reschedule, and hopefully sometime early in the month of June, he and I will be able to sit down and have a cup of coffee and have a conversation about some of these things. I also want to share with you, you know, I was listening to the news this morning, and unfortunately, almost every day, one of the headlines is gun violence taking place somewhere. And uh, this morning, the news was that, actually, this was last night. I heard this before I went to bed. Um, there was a, a shooting in Farmington, New Mexico, which is just off of the Navajo Nation. And uh, apparently, someone was randomly walking through one of the neighborhoods in Farmington, just shooting at cars and houses, and three people were killed. And so this issue of gun violence and, um, you know, we have I believe we've had over 200 mass shootings in our country now um, in 2023. It's just an absolute epidemic. And the conversation I was going to have with Delante, hopefully it was going to be very timely, but we had to postpone that. And so we will definitely have that conversation in the future. But um, I still want to thank you, my relatives, for joining me this morning. And there is something else I wanted to talk to you about. Actually, I was scheduled to do this topic last Friday. I think I was going to sit down and do it. And just before I got on, uh, something came up and I was not able to, to do my live stream. So I thought I'll do it Saturday morning, but I just did not have the energy. I'm still recovering from my hip surgery. And so I wasn't able to do it Saturday morning. Same thing on Sunday morning. And then uh, yesterday, I had some other things come up, and I just kept pushing off this topic. 
And so I thought, well, um, after we had to postpone my conversation with Delonte this morning, I thought, well, let me let me now take some time to do this. So I spent the last hour kind of reframing my thoughts and getting all my stuff together to talk today, not necessarily about Donald Trump, but I want to talk to white evangelicals. And I, I framed the title of this of this podcast of the second cup of coffee, Dear White Evangelicals. Donald J. Trump is a narcissistic, selective truth-telling, um, uh, selective truth-teller who lives in a fantasy world and has no morals. Now, I'm not telling anybody, including white evangelicals, something they don't know. But after I saw the CNN town hall that was broadcast to the world last week, I was disgusted not only by CNN and the fact that they would platform and center such a horrible message by such a corrupt and immoral man, but that the more he gets charged and the more he gets he gets these things coming at him, the stronger his support from white evangelicals seems to come. And it, it's nauseating to watch. It's nauseating to see that happen. And so I, I wanted to address that this morning. If you remember last week, um, and I, let's see who's on here with me. Um, Tim, yeah, hey, thank you for joining this morning. It's good to see you here. Uh, we'll see who else is going to jump on here. But um, I want to I want to share this uh, tweet that I put out last week. I think it was last week, Monday or Tuesday, that I put this out. And I'm going to put the link to it into the chat. And I'm going to put the text here on the screen where I said, Dear white evangelicals, uh, last night your Messiah figure, Donald Trump, went on national TV and mocked the woman he sexually assaulted and justified his genital-grabbing comment from 2016 by saying, I said they let you. Trump is not a persecuted political figure. He is a perverted sexual predator. And I went on to say in a follow-up tweet that, and CNN is absolutely complicit. For just days after Trump was found guilty of sexual abuse, they gave this man a national platform to spew his demeaning and vile ideology. And that, that's what happened. And it was nauseating. I, I did not watch the town hall live. And um, the next morning, I looked all throughout the internet to try and find a transcript of the town hall because I didn't even want to watch it the next day. I knew what, he was, what it was going to be about. I knew what he was going to say. I knew how it was going to play out. So I wanted to read it as a transcript and, 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 and as compared to uh, watching the actual video of it. And um, I couldn't find a transcript of it. I, I searched for a, a little while, and I could not find a transcript of the town hall. So finally, I found an archived version on YouTube of the of the, the show from the night before, and I rewatched it. And I watched maybe the first ten minutes, um, where Mr. Trump went all in on his denial of the 2020 election and just continue to spew the lies and the falsehoods that he has spewed from the very beginning. 
And then when he was asked later in the interview, I went, I fast forward and found part of the interview where he was asked about um, the case that was just where he was found guilty just the day before um, of uh, sexually violating and uh, um, uh, abusing the woman from the day before. And then his comments, he was asked about his comments in 2016, where he said he could grab, uh, he was bragging that he could grab women by their genitals um, because he's powerful and rich and famous. And I was appalled by everything that he did. I was absolutely appalled by everything that he did. Where... First of all, by his flat-out denial. And and something struck me when I was listening to it. Well, I'll, I'll go into it. It's just his flat-out denial. His flat-out refusing to accept the reality that he actually lost an election. And it was proven in the courts, and it was proven um, by in the voting booth. It was all of this stuff. And he was just kept spewing these lies of, like, that they were not true. They've been proven to be false. And he just absolutely refused to accept them. And then when it came to the question of, of um, the case where he was found guilty of abusing a woman sexually, and when he was asked about it, he openly mocked her, called her a whack job, And then when he was asked about his comment in 2016, he said he justified it by saying, I said they let you. In other words, he didn't deny that he grabbed women by the genitals. He didn't deny that. He said, my experience has taught me that because of my wealth, because of my power, because of my fame, they let me do these things. And it was, it was disgusting to hear him justify himself that way. And then he went on, and, and this is why, if you notice in the title, I, I, I called him a selective truth teller. Because one of the things that he did, both in this interview, is, and he's done this before, is when talking about that comment from 2016, he said, he said, you know, I don't make the rules. But for millions of years, is what he said, this has been the case. Where people let powerful men treat other people this way. He said, this is what happens. And because he is a powerful man, man, he's therefore allowed to do these things. And because he has no morals, he does them. Because he can get away with it. He said something very similar when he was asked about his taxes. And he was asked about why he, he, he doesn't pay any taxes. And he said, you know, I found the loopholes. I found the ways to... to I, I'm, I have a, I'm brilliant. I'm very smart. I have a team that they found the loopholes and 
we found a way to not pay any taxes. And he was bragging about it. That he found a way to beat the system. And so he's not saying he doesn't do these things. He does. He, he finds out the way, even though he makes billions of dollars, to pay the very least, are actually to not pay any taxes almost at all. And then he uses his fame and his power and the fact that he's a white male to sexually assault women. And he gets away with it because of this is who he is. And this is why, yeah, he's a selective truth. This is the system that we have, and I'm using it. And I'm allowed to do these things. And so he demonstrates, yeah, he's, he's allowed to do these things, but he has absolutely no morals. And by the comments he made about the election... The man is living in an absolute fantasy world. So he does spew out a little bit of truth. Society lets me do these things. I found a way to play the system to not pay any taxes. He tells the truth about that. This is what society lets me do. And therefore, because I'm a powerful white male who's wealthy, I'm going to do these things. And I think what astounds me is that his support among white evangelicals just continues to grow and get even stronger. Now, I know we're not going to be able to silence Donald Trump. The man is a narcissist. Look up the definition of narcissism and read it out loud, and you will, it will remind you of everything Donald Trump does and says and the way he behaves. Donald Trump is an absolute narcissist. He behaves as a narcissist. We're not going to silence him, and we're not going to silence the media, <clears throat> right? The media, it's a capitalistic news media system that we have here. Well, we're not paying the, the, the media, news media doesn't come to us through public funding. It comes to us through capitalism. And so as CNN demonstrated, they don't give a crap who they have to platform. As long as they get the ratings and can sell the advertising, that's all they want to do. And so the media is going to fall over itself. Not just CNN, but Fox News and ABC and NBC and all these other Outlets are going to fall over themselves covering every single word Donald Trump says because he gets them ratings. So we're not going to be able to address Trump directly. We're not going to be able to silence the media from covering him because that's not the system that we have. And so I decided we need to start talking more bluntly to white evangelicals. And the amazing thing is, right, is I, I, and I live, I don't live in, but I move through the white evangelical world. I was raised in that world. I, I was on the board of trustees for the Christian Reformed Church of, 
of North America. I, I move within this white evangelical world. I, I'm in Grand Rapids all the time. I'm in all these conservative places. I preach in these churches. I speak to these crowds. I'm very aware of what that demographic believes, of the values that they hold, and what they say they stand for. I'm very aware of these things. And yet it astounds me, right? Because they're morally conservative. They, 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 they can't even talk about or say the words that Trump says. They can't even repeat them because it goes against everything they have in their moral code. And yet they look past all of that and they vote for him over and over and over again. They support him. And a desire in me has been growing in these past few days, this past week, where I want to find a way to address white evangelicals even more directly. And I'm not going to be able to do it on my social media. Right? It's too easy for them just to ignore my posts or to bypass my my um, my live streams or to... Uh, unfollow me or whatever, right? That's just, that's way too easy. So I want to find a way as I travel around the country to actually set up events in white evangelical, white conservative spaces, much like I did when I was in Orange City, Iowa last summer. And I gave a presentation on my book tour. And on my book tour, the largest event that I had over, probably over a hundred people was my guests were there. It was one of the largest events I had throughout the entire tour. It was in Orange City, Iowa, which is in the heart of conservatism and Republican and MAGA world. And yet that was one of the largest audiences that I had throughout that whole tour. And once I found out who was going to be in the room, I completely shifted the focus of my presentation. And I didn't speak to the MAGA people directly, but I spoke to just these conservative Republicans. And I did, I flat out rebuked them. And I pointed to what they were doing and what they were thinking. And the problem is, is or the challenge is, is they know what they're doing. They are very aware who Trump is. White evangelicals are absolutely aware who he is. They're absolutely aware of what they're doing. But every time they feel attacked, they feel they have to double down on him. And because most of the time they're attacked by people who are saying the solution is to support a Democrat, right? To support Joe Biden or someone else from the Democratic Party. And they're not going to do that. And so because most of their attacks come from the left, they're not able to hear it, which is what gives me a, a much more unique voice because I have just as much dirt on the left as we have on the right, right? You've all heard me. I talk about the implicit um, biases of the Democratic Party and the explicit biases of the Republican Party. They both trumpet the same things and stand for the same values. They just go about it very differently. And so my solution is not to tell these Republicans they need to vote Democrat. It's not to tell white evangelicals they have to switch parties. It's no, you have to think about what you're doing and the way your party is manipulating you. 
and causing you to vote for and celebrate things that are absolutely against things you say you believe in every other aspect of your life. If, if any Democrat behaved half as vilely as Donald Trump does, any Democrat, there would be an absolute uproar about the moral decay of our nation from white evangelicals. So when you confront white evangelicals, the solution is not just vote Democrat, right? One of the things I, I w was very clear when I was in North City, Iowa, a couple last year, is I critiqued both sides. Yes, the Democrats do this, and yes, this is what the Republicans do. I critique both sides, and I was trying, not necessarily to, to get them to switch parties, I was trying to get them to think about what they're doing and the values that they're standing up for, which are actually contrary to the values they state they believe. And so over this next year, as we go into the 2024 election, and going into this campaign style, and I'm I'm not running for office, but I want to find a way to very much address white evangelicals, and at the very least get them to admit, yes, we support a man who is absolutely immoral and doesn't stand for any of our values, or very few of our values. And maybe I want to get them to actually say, hey, we have to actually do something. We have to not let this happen. And again, I'm not trying to make Republicans Democrats. Democrats have just as many problems, if not more, because there's, there are even implicit. They're just, they're better at hiding them than the Republicans are. So anyway, over this next year, I'm going to look for more opportunities as I travel, as I speak, not to address white evangelicals online, because it's way too easy for them to ignore me, but to find a way to preach in their pulpits, to speak in their communities, and to hold, even if they're just 20, 30 people, even 15, 20 people, if we can grab, gather 20, 15 to 20, 20 to 30 white evangelicals and get them in a room to have a conversation about these things. I want to begin to talk about that, find a way to address it, because the way this is going, right, I mean, the, the things that we are doing as a nation is nauseating. The things that we are accepting as a country. And as unfortunately is the case throughout our history, it's white evangelicals, it's conservative Christianity that is leading the way into this dehumanizing worldview and actions. And we need, we need to find a way to address it. This is in the book I'm working on right now, which is Decolonizing Faith. I realize I need to address some of these things very directly of what is coming out of the white evangelical demographic.
So anyway, I, I will continue to express my displeasure with our media outlets. I will continue to express my displeasure with Donald Trump, but I don't have the expectation I'm going to change those two. Um, so I'm going to work instead to address more directly white evangelicals. Because after the performance that Trump put on on CNN a week ago, I honestly do not know how anybody who has any sort of a moral conscience could support him. The man openly mocked a woman he was found guilty of abusing. And he bragged again that his wealth and his fame and his power give him the opportunity to mistreat women. He demonstrated he has no morals. And why he's even in the orbit of a legitimate presidential contender is mind-boggling. So we need to talk about this more directly, and we need to talk about it by addressing the people who are supporting him. Again, because they know what they're doing. They're very aware of it. It's just the problem is, is when they get confronted by it, their only solution is vote Democrat, and that's not going to happen. So we have to address it from a different angle. Anyway, my relatives, I hope this type of a conversation is helpful. I appreciate you joining me for this session today. Um, and uh, I will continue. I've, one of the things I'm working on right now is I'm going to, I'm really trying to focus a lot more on my second cups of coffee. And I want to be more consistent about putting out at least two of these a week. Uh, my goal is to do them every Tuesday and Thursday, but my travel schedule doesn't always allow me to do that. And so I want to begin to, to make sure I just get more consistent about that. Um, I'm continuing to do everything I can to pr promote my book. And so if you have not uh, read my book or you have friends who would like to, to um, read it, you can buy signed copies of On Something Truths on my uh, website. You can also buy packs. Uh, the, the book study special, where if you buy 10 signed copies of my book, I will give your book study a 45-minute virtual Q&A for free uh, that you can schedule with me sometime over the next year. And uh, I have these almost once a week, and they're the highlight, one of the highlights of my week, just to be able to sit down with people who've read my book and to have conversation, to answer questions, and to get into some much deeper discussion than we have even at the events when I speak live. And so I really like, and I'm going to continue to offer that book study special as long as I can because it's generating some really good discussions and letting me have some conversations I really look forward to having. I also want to continue to encourage people to um, subscribe to my Patreon. I'm making some changes on my Patreon this month and next month where I'm going to be much more intentional about posting there more frequently and really engaging and deepening the dialogue there. I'm going to start... Um, addressing some of the material for my new book, 
um, decolonizing faith, as well as looking at uh, just going deeper into some of my discussions for my second cup of coffee, as well as from some events I'm doing, like the Lincoln events that I'm developing right now. And so it's really going to be, it's becoming a space where we can take the conversation much more deeper and have more of a discussion. I have a lot more Q&As on this, a lot more interaction with people where we can actually sit down and have a conversation about some of these things. And so if you have not looked at my Patreon yet, I encourage you to look at it and to continue and to consider subscribing to it. I also encourage you to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, on my YouTube channel, uh, if you subscribe to it and turn on notifications, every time I go live or post a video, you'll get notifications that I'm on. And also, um, my audio of these second cups of coffee are now going out wherever you get your podcasts. They're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, they're on Spotify, all of the major podcast websites. You can find my second cup of coffee. I upload them usually an hour or two after I finish recording them. But uh, anyway... I'm so grateful all of you are here. Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation today. Uh, Jacqueline Yate, thanks for being here. Susan Yate, thanks for being here. Um, Miss Harmony Yate, thank you for being here. Shantina Yate, thank you for being here. Tim Moore Yate, thank you for being here. I'm so grateful for all of you. I'm grateful for you joining this conversation. And uh, I hope you find these discussions helpful. So walk in beauty, my relatives. And maybe we all learn how to walk in beauty together. A kahat and hakonet.